Well, good evening and welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. This evening, we're going to continue our series on Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection and his practice of the presence of God. But as I do each week, let me begin by saying hi to Francis Harry, our uh, weekly guest. Francis, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so thrilled to be here with you tonight to talk about this practice because Brother Lawrence refers to this as the shortest, easiest way to arrive at Christian perfection, this life of virtue and a great protection from sin. And isn't this wonderful that we're in Lent right now and we can apply what we're learning about Brother Lawrence and the practice of the presence of God to our lives tonight? Yeah, we were talking, uh, Francis, just before we came on the air about, you know, we've entered the desert now. Lent has begun and we've entered that 40 days of the desert. And Brother Lawrence has so much to teach us about how to dwell in that desert. We Carmelites are desert dwellers, right? We dwell in the caves and the mountains, and we dwell in the cells. And most especially, of course, we are told by our rule to dwell in our cell, which we understand now to be our heart, to be our soul, to be the very center of our being. And this is a very difficult, uh, it's very simple, but yet very difficult for people to sort of come to an understanding of the the discussion you and I have had so many times in the past, you do not intellectualize this. You don't arrive with your mind. You know, I read a great um, a Protestant uh, minister actually from the uh, middle 1800s writing about a prayer and and how we learn things in the Lord. And he said, you know, you don't learn the deepest mysteries of the Lord in the classroom you learn them in the closet and he was referring of course to the closet of prayer and i think brother lawrence would say we learn it not from the books because that would mean we might get stuck in the mind Mm -hmm. but in the world as far as you know seeing the world through god's eyes right and ultimately in our heart well let's begin our own uh, conversation this evening with prayer if you would mind Uh, francis lead us in prayer this evening as i pick something that um, comes The first part comes from St. John of the Cross, and the second part comes from Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, and both refer to this presence of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord, you say to my soul, my kingdom is within you. It is very comforting to know that you never leave me, and that I cannot exist without you. What more do you want, O my soul, and what do you seek elsewhere, since you possess within yourself your wealth, your love, your peace, your plenitude, and your kingdom, that is, the beloved, whom you desire and for whom you sigh? O my God, you are in me, and I am in you. I have found my heaven on earth, since heaven is you, O Lord, and you are in my soul. I can find you there always. Even when I do not feel your presence, you are there nevertheless, and I like to seek you there. Oh, if only I could never leave you alone. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Francis, for that uh, opening prayer. I think you're right. It speaks directly to what Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection has to teach us. I want to make just a quick editorial comment and maybe start with an apology uh, we've not been on the air now for a couple of weeks, actually. We have had to uh, resort to uh, tapings of previous shows, and there's a good explanation for that. Um, we uh, were here a couple of weeks ago, and for whatever reason, we got knocked off um, the connection that we have to the main studio, and so we weren't able to go live. We then um, had scheduled a following week where uh, we were out of town and weren't going to be able to make that show. So. That one was understandable, but uh, apologize for the previous week uh, to uh, last week. And, of course, we're going to finish the series on Brother Lawrence over the course of the next three weeks. That's the plan. We'll spend about uh, three more weeks on Brother Lawrence. And then, just as a preemptive um, explanation, I guess, we're going to do a brief series on the devotion to the Holy Face, uh, which if it's uh, not a devotion you're familiar with, you'll certainly want to tune in and spend some time in the midst of our conversation talking about the devotion to the Holy Face, which was shared uh, by our Lord to a Carmelite. And I don't want to go into much more detail because we'll certainly do that. Uh, but please join us largely in the month of April for that uh, series. Okay, so I'm, and we'll introduce you to some <coughs> books along that line of thought. But tonight I have to introduce one special book that I brought with me. 
Um, it's called A Lenten Journey with Jesus Christ and St. Therese of Lisieux. And it's by Father John F. Russell, who is of the ancient observance of the Carmelites. And it's very good, and it's a great book to have during this Lent. There's another one out by another author, um, similar title, but with St. John of the Cross. So for all of you who love Therese, the little flower, and John of the Cross, those are out there and specifically deal with going through Lent. Yeah, this time of the desert and uh, looking inside, dwelling in our caves or our cell or within our soul, we understand that in our modern world, uh, to be dwelling in the soul. It's very important, I think, to have good literature available and good guides. Uh, We certainly, Francis, would argue that the Carmelites are among the best guides, certainly that we've found. Uh, but there are many others. The Carmelite Saint Saints. Yeah, the Carmelite Saints, right. <laughs> Not us living ones. We're still, we're still, <laughs> we're still working work on it. in process. <laughs> right. Uh, but it is good to avail yourself of some of the writings during this time of year, especially to take advantage uh, of what the saints have to teach us about going through the desert experience that, in fairness, we're all going through uh, most of the time in this life that we that we struggle through. And as we become... Uh, more attached to the Lord and deeper in our relationship with him, we realize the trivialities of the world that we live in. We realize the barrenness that is around us and the dryness and the emptiness, uh, again, akin to the desert experience. And this is so good because it helps us keep our focus, our eyes on Christ. And that will lead us to heaven. Well, Francis and I were just going over some notes before we uh, joined you on air, and we were talking about uh, what direction we might take this evening with regard to a host of uh, uh, notes that we jotted down for ourselves. And we agreed, as we do every week, Francis, it's a conversation. It's it's going to go wherever it happens to go. So I would encourage you all, um, if you don't have one in front of you, maybe grab a cup of tea or coffee if you can take coffee at this hour. I personally can't, but... Um, there's decaf. <laughs> yeah, there's decaf. Uh, and pull up by the radio and, and listen to the conversation. But I also want to encourage, again our listeners, any of our listeners, to join our conversation. And you can do that by dialing 1-866-333-6279. Again, that's 1-866-333-6279. Please feel free to join our conversation this evening. We'd love to have you. Francis, I want to begin with something that we actually had finished on the last time we had the opportunity to speak together, and that's Father Joseph Bolfort's um, eulogy for Brother Lawrence, where he emphasizes something that we as Carmelites uh, don't find the least bit surprising, but I think it's important that we emphasize it. And I'm reading from the page um, in uh, the ICS publication on the practice of the presence of God, We said the last time we got together that there are many versions of this uh, text, uh, the the practice of the presence of God. I think the ICS one is the most comprehensive, most complete, uh, pulls together not only the actual document of the practice of the presence of God, but many of Lawrence's letters, um, his conversations, his counsel to uh, both people within the monastery where he lived and others, plus uh, some historical uh, information. So it's yeah. really a terrific text. Yes. Uh, but read from the page, um, Francis, if you would, top of page 9, that 17th paragraph right there in the middle, where he expresses his devotion to the Blessed Mother. Oh, oh. and this is so good. From the beginning of his novitiate, he applied himself to the exercises of religious life with great fervor. And here's the secret. He had singular affection for the Blessed Virgin Mary and was especially devoted to her. He had a filial trust in her protection. That is very Carmelite, isn't it? Brothers of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, right? Mm. She was his refuge in all the problems of his life, in the troubles and anxieties that disturbed his soul, and therefore he would call her his good mother. Yeah, and you know, we probably don't spend enough time, Francis, I would have to argue that um, you and I together uh, need to sort of rededicate our conversation around the focus of the Blessed Mother and the importance that she plays not only for the order of Carmel, but for every soul Absolutely. seeking that deeper relationship with the Lord. 
the Blessed Mother can bring us to that. Yes, yeah. and we should offer our hearts to, to Jesus through Mary all the time. Every, every day. Morning, every every night, day. Every moment. <laughs> right. She's such a wonderful guide. She's such a compassionate mother. She's so full of kindness. And she is the avenue of grace, isn't she? She's full of grace, and she is the means of uh, dispensing grace uh, to us and to the church. So we need to take full advantage of that. And I just wanted to take a moment to reiterate that here again we see another Carmelite with great devotion to the Blessed Mother, great trust uh, in the Blessed Mother. Well, we had left Lawrence in his uh, early experience, the biographical sketch that we'd done. Uh, we talked about his early days as a soldier. We talked about his going off to war, being wounded, eventually finding his way back to his parents, uh, coming to struggle with his early life, and then um, a, a for a time tried to live the life of a hermit, uh, found a, another gentleman who had similar aspirations, and so Lawrence went out into the wilderness and tried to live like a hermit. Uh, that didn't work out well for him. We don't need to go into all the details. Suffice to say, trying to fight the spiritual battle on your own, if you're not well-equipped, if you don't have the weapons of prayer already, um, um, you know, sort of well-mastered, um, it can be a difficult trial, and we've all experienced that on some level. He makes his way back to Paris and has a series of jobs, but ultimately um, decides he does want to continue in his pursuit of a religious life, so finds himself at the Carmel in the center of Paris, where he um, uh, begins his uh, religious journey as a brother. And fairly early on, he expected to have a great deal of difficulty and expected to struggle a great deal. Uh, but again, I'm drawing from the eulogy in the early stages of this conversion of this transformation that Brother Lawrence is going through. His uh, eulogist says he saw the sins of his past life and the sight of this horrified him and made him appear so little, so wretched in his own eyes that he judged himself unworthy of the least caresses of the bridegroom. Yeah, doesn't that remind you of that scripture passage that says, my sin is before me always? Yeah, from David, right, back in the Psalms. And it's important that we, we understand this experience of the spiritual journey. We've talked about this with all of our great Carmelite saints. Elizabeth, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Therese have all gone through this. We could call it a dark night. We can call it a number of um, different, by a, a number of different analogies that have been used. But the point is we have to, at some point, turn, like the ancient Israelites in the desert, turn, return back to God, and we have to come face to face with ourselves. Prodigal That's, son. <laughs> it's probably the most difficult element of the spiritual journey is to begin to make that turn to look inside and to have to face who we really are before God and that's the great trial right and I think that is a great grace because when you can see who you are and who God is because um, later here um, brother Lawrence is also saying you know here he is seeing this wretchedness in himself and yet he sees himself favored by God. He sees the grace is poured out. And so he, he has this struggle. And Teresa had this, too. She's like, don't give me these graces. It makes me feel even worse yeah. <laughs> because I'm unworthy, you know. Well, and that's one of the great trials, isn't it, is that we, we come to realize who we are. You know, we so advocate the virtue of humility in the Carmelite uh, charism and in the Carmelite walk. Teresa advocated uh, humility above all the virtues, in fact, and, and said, um, you know, the three great virtues, humility, humility, humility. Mm -hmm. It's such a necessary component of our uh, experience in Carmel, of our experience with the Lord. And until, in fairness, Francis, until you come to that moment, you won't know. Nobody can tell you this, can they? Nobody right. can really share with you. Well, let me explain to you what it's like, because mm -hmm. Your experience will be somewhat different than mine. Mine would be different than yours. Because we're unique. Yes, exactly. And our experiences and our history are unique. That doesn't mean, however, that the spiritual journey is completely different for everybody. There are some consistencies. Right. And John of the Cross, most especially, uh, and Teresa of Avila, I think, gave us the landmarkers, if you will. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they helped us to understand. And they all talk about this. There's that moment of conversion. There's that moment of turning back to God and beginning to go inside and look at who we are, and then here's what takes over. And this was so uh, challenging for Teresa of Avila as well. Uh, again, I'm reading from the eulogy. The fear of self-deception mm. began to take strong hold of Brother Lawrence's heart, and his state appeared so uncertain 
that he no longer knew what would become of him. This consequently caused him such terrible torments that he could only convey them by comparing them to those of hell. So he's seemingly <clears throat> experiencing what hell is like within his soul. Exactly. And that's that's the difficult thing to communicate, I think, because, again, it's a unique experience. Everybody has to go through it on some level. And, you know, as uh, Ralph Martin, a wonderful modern-day evangelist, uh, says in one of his series, I think he says this so well, we can go through this now or we can wait and do it later. And, of course, <laughs> he's not talking about hell. He's talking about purgatory. But uh, the point is... Uh, for Lawrence, the experience of having to go through the realization of who he was, mm -hmm. of who we all are on some level. And then, as you said a moment ago, Francis, knowing that despite that, God still loves us Absolutely. makes it even more challenging. And I don't think this is the sense where you're putting yourself down and beating yourself up. It's not that kind of, 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 of understanding of your weakness. You know, it, it's understanding you're weak because, you know, God is the strength. Right. God is the reason why all these goods are happening. Right. And I think the more one prays and the deeper one prays, I think the distance between God and the soul seems greater in a sense because they appreciate, you know, as their eyes are opened of the soul to the greatness of God and his power and his glory, you know, it also emphasizes, you know, where we're at and, and the abyss between us. And yeah. yet he reaches over, you know, yeah. to lift us up. No, in fact, there's a subtle trap here. We'll get into a little spiritual counseling now. Okay. But there's a subtle trap here. What is it? <laughs> uh, uh, called pride, which is always the great trap, right? Oh, when yes. we begin the spiritual journey and we begin to deepen that relationship and we begin to move through some of the um, uh, stages of the interior castle that Teresa of Avila taught us about, or maybe the four stages as John articulates them. Uh, the great trap is always pride. It's only spiritual pride now, but um, it, it, it's pride still. And if we find ourselves continuously degrading ourselves and saying what terrible people we are, and we're expressing that to everybody around us, the trap is um, all we've done is sort of flipped the, the pride of admiration to, this, to the side of degradation yes. by saying, but for these things, I would be a great person. But look at all these terrible <laughs> things. With me. It's point. a very subtle trap that, yes. that Satan lays for us. So we have to be careful. When we begin to experience this um, um, phenomenon that Lawrence, or at least his eulogist, is explaining that Lawrence had shared with him, what we need to do is go to humility, go to silence, go to solitude. Uh, we wouldn't find ourselves running around town, so to speak, telling everybody what terrible people we are, because what we're really looking for in that uh, circumstance is someone to invalidate what we're, oh, no, you're not a bad person. Oh, you're fine. Don't worry. You're great. And in fact, we know in, in our heart of hearts, we're not. It's not something you'll find somebody wanting right. to share very often. I like what Brother Lawrence did, though, in this state. He did something that St. Teresa of Avila did, and that is he had an attraction for an image of Jesus at the pillar being scourged. And that was the same image that Teresa Vava had a very big conversion moment at when she saw, you know, the blood dripping from his hand. Oh, no, that was St. Therese. But, but yeah. uh, St. Teresa also had a great love for, you know, contemplating Jesus in, in the scourging. And so he would, you know, put this in his pantry, uh, you know, where he was working in the monastery. And there he would pour out his heart and then he would just beg God not to let him perish, you know. And, of course, we're thinking of, you know, like going to hell. And that he would place his trust in him and intended only to please him, which reminded me of Therese, <laughs> you know. And he did this. He had this experience, not for just a month or two, which we would think would be horrendously long, but 10 years. Yeah. So he's got a lot of work that went into refining this practicing of the presence. Yeah. So he is one who suffered. He knows what suffering is. And he, um, so we're going to benefit from his experience. Yeah. In fact, uh, again, drawing from the eulogy where uh, Father Beaufort says his spirit, that's Brother Lawrence, his spirit was disturbed like a ship beaten by the winds and storm, abandoned by its captain, and he did not know what to do nor how to resolve this. For on the other hand, he experienced a secret inclination to surrender to the Lord by continual immolation of himself. Of course, immolation is um, a, a sacrificial giving of oneself 
Um, the real explanation of it is, by the way, that it's um, sac- sacrificed by fire. That's its its fullest expression. And, mm. of course, that's what we do, right? We're caught by the fire of love, and oh. we immolate ourselves on that fire. Um, uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity loved that word immolation. You'll find it throughout all the writings, and so did John, by the way. Uh, and on the other hand, the fear that he had strayed from the ordinary path to holiness led him to innocently resist God. So what's happening in Lawrence's psyche is, I know I've done poorly in my life. We all have to come to that realization. We begin to become subject to self-deception because we try to reason our way through this. Um, We begin to think God's abandoned us, and we try desperately to get back on the right path. And what ends up happening is we think we're doing it poorly. And so we fall even more into this darkness, it says here, uh, all those prospects so deplorable to nature filled him with terror and dread. Furthermore, he received no help from heaven or earth. His soul was plunged into bitterness and thick darkness. Dark this night. is what happens to us. Yes. And it happens, um, again, I don't want to go into a lengthy dissertation about the spiritual journey in, in the context, but Lawrence teaches us so well, not just in his writings, but in his own life. What happens to us is, we begin to sort of get off course in the midst of this. Now, we've made significant progress on the spiritual journey. We begin to get off course, and we start wanting to control it again. We want to take control of that spiritual journey. And so his eulogist says he thought he'd gotten off the ordinary path of holiness. Well, of course he did. It's the inevitable experience of the human uh, effort to try and get ourselves back onto right. holiness will always fail. And God, God keeps wanting us to abandon yeah, that. God continued to purify him and, and for such a long time. And But this is, an, is sort of like a test um, to test the virtue of true servants before giving them the great treasures, these infinite treasures. He's want, wanting us to be worthy recipients, you know. So it, it's not like he's just laying you know, it in our lap. You know, we don't, we're not worthy, but he needs to know that he can trust us with his gifts, too. Yeah. So um, we have to do our share. In, in the midst of this experience now, Lawrence is talking about, and you said, Francis, it, it lasted as long as 10 years. He tells us something very important. Now, of course, he's looking back when he's writing about this. But he tells us something very important about the condition of his heart, where his heart had to go. Now, think about for our listeners, going back to that cave, going back to that cell, going back to that quiet place within your heart, what does Lawrence tell us are the keys to surviving this difficult experience? Okay. Take your pencil. Write this down, (laughs) listeners. This is important. Two key elements to the success of practicing the presence of God are, number one, purity, and two, simplicity of heart. Remember, uh, the pure, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. So, you know, that plays in right here. Purity and simplicity. Okay. Let's spend just a moment talking about that. We only have a moment. Let's do purity and we'll do simplicity when we come back from the break. Um, I love this quote. We've used it before in our conversations, uh, Francis, by Kierkegaard, who said, Purity of heart, purity of heart is to will one thing. And that sums it up so perfectly. Everything in our life, our will, which is, of course, the, the, the uh, centerpiece of human activity is the will, and it's what drives us, right? And we know in faith, hope, and love, there's intellect, memory, and will that must be purified by faith, hope, and love. The will is purified by love. It's purified by charity, right? Yes. What does that mean? All of our charity, all of our love is directed, all of our will is directed that, to that singular focus on the Lord. Everything gets consumed into that effort to love God. Our relationships, mm-hmm. our work, our our health, our uh, seeking of, of, of uh, you know employment, whatever the cases of our individual lives might be. It is to will one thing. That's purity of heart. And it's that singular I that Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity spoke of. And what did Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, or who did Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity say, was the model of purity of heart? Well, Mary, our mother. Of (laughs) course. Another wonderful reason why we have to turn to Mary, right? For... Uh, for Elizabeth, for all of us. Mary is the very model of the purity of heart. There was nothing uh, in the Blessed Mother that tainted 
uh, her perspective on God. And where did we find that, by the way? In Luke, right? Remember? Mary kept all these things in her heart. It doesn't mean, it doesn't say she kept them in her mind or that she debated them or she read books about it. Mary kept all these things in her heart where she retained Mm. her will to love our Lord. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back and we'll pick up on the simplicity of heart.
You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to Carmelite Conversations with Mark Danis and Francis Harry. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I just want to reiterate the number. If you'd like to be a member or like to join our conversation, rather, uh, please feel free to give Francis and I a call. We very much value both your uh, your question, if you have one, or your input. I know there are many Carmelites out there, many others out there who may not be practicing Carmelites, uh, who have a great devotion to Brother Lawrence. He's one of the more popular um, uh, spiritual writers uh, of our time, along with Therese of Lisieux and yeah, and, and across, so many others, and across many denominations as well. Yes, I, exactly. So, if you have a an experience with Brother Lawrence and you'd like to share it, we'd certainly value hearing from you. Again, that number is one eight six six three 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 six two seven nine. Okay, now we got to get back to that. Two elements. All right, what were they? Do you remember out there? Okay, it was number one, purity. Number two, simplicity of heart. And Mark was going to tell us about that simplicity of heart, right? Well, so simplicity is so simple, Francis, isn't it? (laughs) Not easy, though. (laughs) Um, If we had uh, Kierkegaard telling us that purity of heart is to will one thing, uh, Meister Eckhart... Uh, also a great mystic, by the way, uh, tells us there are plenty who like to follow the Lord halfway, uh, but not many, of course, uh, and I'm paraphrasing now, who are willing to give everything over to the Lord, yeah. right? And there's, okay. there's a challenge in that. Lawrence is going to teach us in just a moment how to do that. Uh, but I've said this many times. This path is the very opposite of a balanced life. This is not about trying to find balance in your life. You know, you hear so many uh, modern uh, philosophies and theologies and preachers saying, well, you've got to find balance in your life. It's all about balance. Well, I think Brother Lawrence would say, no, it's about getting out of balance. It's about getting out of balance with the modern world, our modern world, of course. For him, it was his own. um, And getting in balance with the Lord. What does that mean? Everything is uh, sublimated, put sub to the Lord, our relationship with the Lord. Now, does that mean I absolve myself of my responsibilities? Of course not. Lawrence kept a very busy schedule, working right. in the kitchen and later becoming a, the, the the cobbler, the, the one who repaired the sandals. Um, he ran errands into town and so on and so forth, maintained his duties and his responsibilities, fulfilled the obligations of his state in life, as Absolutely. we're all expected to do. Right. But he was completely out of balance in that he did all of that for our Lord. Right. Everything was seen in the context of his relationship with our Lord. Yeah, the focus was on Christ. And that's the difficulty, that's the trial. And that's a radical conversion of heart, isn't it? Very much so. Uh, again, uh, we don't know until we've begun to experience some of this just how difficult it is to find that out-of-balance balance, if you will, where everything is really uh, uh, fundamentally put uh, before the Lord and everything is viewed in that context. Uh, again, you've, you hear us struggling even with the words to describe it. It's not something I think you can intellectually communicate. Uh, and Lawrence and, and uh, St. John of the Cross and Teresa and Therese uh, do the best for me at explaining the principles of it. But you really have to experience it. Where do you experience it? Primarily in your cell. And where is that? In your heart, mm-hmm. in your soul. And in prayer, and this is the Carmelite charism. And you, it's going to take, you need to spend some time there in order to know that, to understand that, to understand yourself. You need time to reflect, to really reflect on God and, and your life in God or in the world and and reflect on what God's calling you to. And um, we got to spend time in prayer with God. Now, Lawrence uh, does... Um uh, reiterate for us later in his writings. He capitalizes on the scripture verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and of course your neighbor as yourself. And and <clears throat> this is a, a verse we've heard since we were children. We all know this verse. It's obviously from the commandments. Um, but to get inside, we could spend hours meditating on that one phrase. What does that mean, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul? What does that mean? How is that manifested in our daily life? The great saints discovered that mystery, and it is a mystery. They discovered how it was that they could live in this presence, and we'll talk about that in a moment uh, from now, but uh, how they could live in this continual state uh, of awareness of God. 
uh, Lawrence says j- just after uh, when he opens the letter, in fact, the, the document, the practice of the presence of God, he says um, that this um, exercise, if you will, uh, comes from purity and simplicity of our hearts. And then he goes on to say this effort gradually destroys self-love, which is found in creatures, by turning to God frequently, this rids us of this self-love without our even realizing it. So by the very practice of the presence of God, uh, which we haven't yet, uh, I think, Francis adequately defined, Lawrence says, we will rid ourselves of self-love, which gets us back on the right path, and the Lord's doing that work in us. Well, I think... If we define what this practice of the presence is, it would be this first paragraph that Brother Lawrence wrote. So can I read that? Yes, please do. Okay. All right, here it is. The holiest and most necessary practice in the spiritual life is that of the presence of God. It consists in taking delight in and becoming accustomed to his divine company, speaking humbly and conversing lovingly with him all the time at every moment without rule or measure, especially in times of temptation, suffering, aridity, weariness, even infidelity and sin. Even our infidelity and sin, he points out, and he doesn't use that word our, but of course that's what's implied here. So in the midst of our infidelity and sin, and the reality is, Francis, and Lawrence told us this earlier, This is when we most often find ourselves wanting to turn away from God, right? Right. We come to the realization, we begin to come to this realization of who we are. And this is the human experience. We've said this so many times, we have to caution our listeners. It's okay. It's who we are. We are a fallen creature. We are a fallen nature. Uh, We're subject to concupiscence. And unfortunately, many times we've taken advantage uh, of our circumstances and we've fallen into sin. Um, And this is who we are. We have to come to that realization. Why? Because then we will bring ourselves, which Lawrence tells us, before God like a beggar, before our king, saying, please heal me. Look at me, Lord, and heal me. Now, we find that the most difficult experience because our self-love, and this isn't an obvious self-love. This isn't like the person who walks down the street puffing up their feathers. This is the internal self-love, the most difficult one to sort of root out. Mm -hmm. But our self-love resists the reality of our condition because we don't want to accept that we're of a fallen nature. We don't want to accept that we're subject to these weaknesses and wretchedness and Mm -hmm. at times this nothingness that we ultimately come to realize um, is part of the human experience. But only in accepting that will we bring ourselves before our Lord and ask him to heal us. And of course, here in this Lenten season, uh, Catholics are very um, attuned to the way of the cross. Uh, Many parishes are doing the way of the cross, especially on Fridays. And here Jesus falls many times. And he does get up, though. He doesn't remain down. But he looks for help. And Simeon comes along. So we look for help. God sends us the help. But we keep our eye on God. And he will lift us up. We, we are to get back up and keep trying and accepting our uh, fallen nature and uh, trying our best to please God, but knowing it is his strength and his grace and his mercy that lifts us up. And, and Lawrence gives us some... Um some additional counsel beyond what you read in that first paragraph uh, with regard to how we begin to go through this process and our responsibility. John would say to us, John of the Cross would say, this is our responsibility in that first stage, if you will. The the, uh, active night of sense sounds like this. In order to arrive at this state, Brother Lawrence says, mortification of the senses is presupposed. Since it is impossible for a soul that still finds some satisfaction in creatures to completely enjoy this divine presence. For to be with God, we must abandon creatures. Now, what is he saying? He's not saying, you know, run away from your family and friends. What he's saying <laughs> <Forget> is, <about him. laughs> he's saying again, we must put those relationships in proper order. Yes. Just like everything else in our life. You know, so often, and I, I uh, forget where I was, where we were having this conversation recently. We have a tendency 
to want to bring God down into our experience. We want to bring the Lord back down into our experience and say, Lord, look at these things in my life. If you and I could just work on these together <laughs> and maybe fix a few of these things, then, you know, you and I will get along just fine. <clears throat> and of course, the Lord is saying, no, I'm going to stay up here. I, I I'm left. in charge. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> I'm going to stay up here. I'd like you to go ahead and collect all those things in your life, both the good and the bad and the ugly, um, and bring them with you to the altar. And I'd like you and us to work on them, but we're going to work on them with you looking up not with me coming right. down. And here's something else Brother Lawrence says about this practice of the presence. And these, this is a methodless method. This is not, you've got to do step one, then two, then three, you know, like several methods of prayer. This is a very simple one. It's a loving conversation, which we just said a minute ago. And, of course, that's so true of what St. Teresa, her definition of prayer is an intimate a frequent, loving, intimate conversation with him whom we know loves us. So, you know, that's very much uh, doable by all of us. But then he goes on to say, and this is very doable, he says, we must perform all our actions carefully and deliberately, not impulsively or hurriedly. Oh, boy, that's going to get us, isn't it? And for such would characterize a distracted mind. So we, we want to try to um, be careful and deliberate and he says we must work gently and lovingly with god asking him to accept our work and by this continual attention to god we will crush the head of the devil and force the weapons from his hands i really like that yeah it's wonderful advice and i i often think that if the lord uh, were to spend a few moments with any one of us and we were to say lord what must i do what must i do how do i go about this the first thing the Lord might say to many of us, I think certainly to me, is calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Relax for a moment. Take a deep breath. Trust me. Stop <laughs> working so hard at trying to make yourself holy because you are not going to get there. I know a better way <laughs> is what <Yeah>. he's thinking. <laughs> and I think that's what Lawrence is saying here. We just have to take that breath for a moment. Stop. Calm our inner spirit. We have so much going on around us, Francis, in our modern day world. There's so many distractions. There's so many things that pull at our attention from our daily responsibilities to those that we create for ourselves, including those trials we like to create for ourselves, mm -hmm. that it's very difficult to get the spirit to calm itself, to still itself. And this is why in contemplative prayer, uh, we might spend a good 30 minutes. I know our commitment is for 30 minutes, but in fairness, I find many times I'll spend 30 minutes just trying to calm my spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll start with reading and reflection, and I have to give myself confidence that the Lord is looking at me and that I'm looking at him. And, and, and that then there's the temple nothing. of your soul. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think he's trying to get us to calm, and that's what Lawrence is telling us here. Right, because, you know, God wants to desire us. He wants to possess us completely because uh, he's a jealous lover and he doesn't want us by halves. And as St. Teresa of Avila often said, you know, um, it's because of our lack of love. And John the Cross said this, too. It's because we don't have enough love for God that we're not making as much progress. And so if we want to advance, then, you know, we need to really trust that the Lord knows the best way to do it. And then we got to cooperate. I just so love it that our... Our archbishop here in our, our diocese, Archbishop Schnur, uh, put in the vocation prayer about um, responding favorably to his call, mm. meaning God's call. You know, that was part of the prayer. And I'm like, oh, that applies to so all to all of us, you know. Yeah. Lawrence gives another bit of advice. Again, actually, this is drawn from the eulogy, but it was a direct quote of Lawrence. Um, it doesn't matter, he says, what I do or what I suffer. So long as I remain lovingly united to his, that's the Lord's will, in all things. And this is exactly what you're saying, Francis. In order to practice this presence, which I'll say something else about in just a second, but in order to practice this realization that God is there, that God is in control, that God is looking at us, that he's present to us. Even though it doesn't feel like it. And even though it doesn't. And in, for Lawrence, it didn't always feel like right. it. He says, most especially in those times, what did you read? In those times of aridity and those trials and those difficult experiences. I'm trying to go back to where you were because I thought that was great. Um, most especially in those instances, we need to remain 
confident. We need to have courage. We need to believe. We need to have faith. And he's going to say that in a second. And resign ourselves to God's goodwill that he knows what's best is that divine providence. And now we have to ask ourselves, though, is this an intellectual experience? Is Mm. my faith just an intellectual, we've said this before, an intellectual assent to the uh, uh, communication of Brother Lawrence or some other saint or a good friend telling me, uh, well, this is the way it is. God's taking care of you. Don't worry about it. Is that, is that what our love is? Is that what our practice is, an intellectual assent? Well, Lawrence would say no. Unless it moves from our lips to our mind to our heart, then we won't know love. And we won't know this confidence and we won't know faith. If we're trying to uh, rely just on our sort of vocal, and I'm not diminishing vocal prayer, the importance of vocal prayer cannot be stressed enough, but it's not the saying to myself, in other words, this is what is. It's not intellectually reasoning this is what is. Ultimately, that experience can only be taught in the heart, and that's why our rule says, remain within your cell. Remain there. There's a great um, uh, Eastern Orthodox uh, philosophy says that remain within your cell and your cell will teach you everything. And of course, what he's talking about is the heart. Remain within the heart. Remain in the center of your being where the Holy Spirit dwells. Yes. And the Holy Spirit will teach us there. Yes. But we've got to find those times away from uh, the, the difficulties and the trials, the tribulations, the distractions of our modern world, even in the midst of them. Right. This is what's different about Lawrence. And in fairness, Elizabeth of the Trinity would say the same thing. Even in the midst of this busy experience of life that we have, we have to find that presence. And what is that presence? Let's fill out the rest of the definition. The presence is, obviously, this continual conversation, talking with God, asking God's advice, seeking his direction, um, Telling him about our day. Asking him to bless our work and to make up for our lack. Redeem our lost time. And what what we're doing there is we are making God present to ourselves, right? But there's another side to that coin. We have to make ourselves present to God. Oh, very good. We have to listen. Right. Yes, making ourselves present to God. So, listeners, how are you doing that? I hope it's by spending time in prayer. Or adoration. And what a perfect time during this Lent to do that. Lawrence did that, not just, as I said a moment ago, not just by the verbal, not just by the intellectual. And God, though he drew him through, as he does with many of us, that dark stage, that time of fear and trepidation and worry and wondering. And Lawrence said in our earlier conversation, Francis, when we began this series, Lawrence says at some point, I won't try to find it now, but... When he accepted that he might stay in that state for the rest of his life, yeah. that's when peace entered his soul. Now, think about that. Well, There's a bit of an irony there. Yes. It's like that, okay, you you finally hit that point of resignation, of surrender, total abandonment into God's hands, into God's plan. And that's exactly where God's wanting you, because now he can work with you right. before we've been fighting him. So when Brother Lawrence reaches that point, he describes it like a divine ray that he received, illuminating his mind and dispelling his fears and putting an end to his suffering. Well, I mean, end of his suffering like we know it. Uh, and from this point on, he's embracing the suffering and he finds joy in it. And that's right. a great secret of great saints is, is joy in suffering. It was that back and forth suffering that he talked about a moment ago. It was that uh, reference. Uh, he experienced a, a secret Uh, Well, this was the inclination, but his spirit was disturbed like a ship beaten by the winds. We read this a moment ago, Mm -hmm. abandoned by its captain. He didn't know what to do, nor nor how to resolve this. And on the other hand, it says he experienced this secret inclination to surrender to our Lord by a continual immolation of himself. On the other hand, the fear uh, that he'd strayed away from the ordinary path. So the fear is there. He ultimately resolves it by saying, you know what, Lord? I surrender. And that took great courage. It took great courage. So his courage and his perseverance were very steadfast, which I know St. Teresa of Avila was very proud of him for that. (laughs) And and, and that's what, of course, um, one of the the great lessons that Brother Lawrence has to teach us is this idea of surrender. How does he get there? Well, again, I'm going to draw from the eulogy where it says, since God was leading Brother Lawrence 
more by love than by fear of his judgments, so too all his spiritual conversations were aimed at inspiring this same love, breaking the least attachments to creatures and putting to death the old man to establish the reign of the new man. If you want to make great progress, and this is Brother Lawrence now speaking again, if you want to make great progress in the spiritual life, he would say to his brothers, pay no attention to beautiful words or subtle discourse or wise uh, men of the earth. Woe to those who look to human knowledge to satisfy their curiosity. It is the Creator who teaches the truth, who instructs the hearts of the humble in a moment, and who makes them understand more regarding the mysteries of faith and the divinity itself than if they had meditated on these things for many years. So the simplicity, again, he draws us back to simplicity. Brother Lawrence didn't sit and evaluate. He had purity of heart, which meant he willed but one thing, and he retained simplicity by keeping himself focused on the Lord. And who was the model also of simplicity, Francis? (laughs) Of course, it's the same one that's always, it's our Blessed Mother. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. She didn't judge them. She didn't evaluate them. Again, we we said earlier, she didn't go and read a book about it uh, to figure out what it was that the Lord wanted to teach her. In the simplicity and purity of her heart, she listened to the Lord, and that's where she got the great uh, understanding of, uh, of the graces and mercies. And Brother Lawrence does the same thing. Uh, he recommends, again, that we stand before our God. And I said the presence is both the presence of God in our life through this continual conversation and making ourselves present to the Lord, uh, and the reliance, the significance that Brother Lawrence placed on faith. We can't minimize that. He would cry out uh, in his own writings, it says, O faith, O faith, O admirable virtue that illumines our minds and leads us to the knowledge of the Creator. Amiable virtue, how little known you are, and yet less practice. The importance of faith. And I just want to summarize with this one Bible verse uh, that I think we need to all take time to rely on. And, and, and Brother Lawrence certainly did. He went back to this particular verse many, many times. Uh, your attitude from Philippians 2, 4 through 7. Your attitude with regard to faith should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped at, but rather, and I'll paraphrase, in the midst of all of his trials and tribulations, in the midst of his uh, difficulties in, in uh, fulfilling his mission, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. This is what we're called to do. This was Lawrence's brilliance, emptying himself and surrendering himself in the midst of the darkness to the Lord so that the Lord could do his work within him. And I want to remind you that was Philippians 2, verse 4 through 7. Well, Francis, would you close us out uh, with prayer? I know you have an administrative item you want to just share with our listeners and then close us out with prayer this evening. Okay, well, the administrative item is this. We now have an uh, email that you can uh, send a comment or a question or suggestion to us, and here it is. It's carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com. That is our email, so you can write us there, and um, we would be... Uh, happy to hear from you, um, and we look forward to having a conversation online with you. And with that, let's end in a, a very brief prayer, but always in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Lord, grant that I may always live in your presence with my interior gaze fixed on you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, uh, uh, listeners of Carmelite Conversations. We enjoy spending this time with you each week. We encourage you to write us, and if you have questions specifically that you'd like a raise or comments, uh, we certainly will entertain those on the email. We'd be glad to share if you give us the right to do that. Uh, otherwise, we'll uh, we'll try to work it into our conversation, Francis, so that uh, our listeners know that we've received their message. We thank you for joining us. We ask you to make this Lenten season a very special and blessed Lenten season. Enter to the, the desert with Brother Lawrence. Enter that cave, that cell, your heart and soul, and commune there with the Lord in conversation. And God and we willing, know you'll be blessed. And God willing, we'll be with you next week. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you.